Let's look at our Bibles to um, Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And I've got to find the clicker. Here it is. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Let's go ahead and turn to it. And let's look at this. This is um, the verses that we've been looking at. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. The song that we just sang actually is off of this verse. And so let's look at these. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called. And then he lists these things. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. It says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. And then he does a list. Isaiah gives us a list, and that list is found in there. It says he's a wonderful, and he's, he's counselor. So two different words, and we looked at those, and as we looked at those, we're going to describe those in just a second. But wonderful and counselor. He also says he's the mighty God. Thank God he wasn't just a child born in a stable. Then it also says the last two, the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. These, two, these five different words signify who Christ was. There's some other verses that are found in there that the next verse says this. It says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom. It says, And upon, and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it. It says to establish it with judge, judgment and justice. Then it says this, From henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. As you've seen, I've got some words highlighted in this. I want to go over these. Let's look at these. First of all, the, the wonderful and the counselor. We'll look and see what those mean in just a second. But in this it says, that, And the government and peace, there shall be no end. We are living in a world filled with hatred. We're living in a world filled with war. But, but Jesus came on this earth to give us peace. That we can have peace in the midst of our turmoils. We can have peace in the midst of our financial obligations. Amen? Some of us don't get our Christmas financial obligations until January, if you know what I mean. Put it on a credit card. It's going to be okay. God's going to bless us. We've got to be very careful with that. But it says, listen, we can have peace... There shall be no end with this peace. What does that mean? When we pass away, guess what? There's going to be peace. Aren't you going to be thankful for that? I'm, I'm going to be ecstatic about that. Right now I'm battling with this, this sore throat or, or, or whatever I've got. I don't know. Someone shared it with me. I forget who it was. If I find out who it was, I want to write a thank you note to you. But um, I get tired and I get hot. I get cold. Praise the Lord. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know what I have. But my sinuses are all messed up. I was telling um, Johnny, I was telling him this morning, I woke up and I had breathed through my nose, my mouth the whole time. My tongue was the size of a raisin when I woke up. I had to pour water on it just to get it bigger. Amen. You ever been there? My mouth was so dry. And you battle with these things. And isn't it great that the devil knows what he's doing because he does it right before our cantata. You hear me? I start the verses out on these, then I back off. People on the internet are going, what is wrong with that guy's voice? You know, God knows exactly what we're doing, and we can have peace in the midst of everything going on. Our sicknesses, our finances. And you know, God gives us peace on this earth, amen? He lets us go through things, and He gives us blessings, does He not? I look out and I see red, black, green. We see all these colors of Christmas and white. God sure is good, isn't He? 
He gives us peace. And it's to know him. Then look upon this. It says, upon the throne of, what's the next word? David. It's very important. Because Isaiah said this. Does anybody remember how many years ago it was? Before Christ was born is over 700 years before he was born. And he says, this man is going to be from the throne of David. That's amazing. He picks one. He says he's going to be from the line of this. Now, I could pick two of them that I know he'd be from. He'd be from the line of Adam and Noah. That's a pretty vague statement because all of us are from there. Amen? But he says from the throne of David he is there. You think God gave Isaiah some insight on what was going to happen? Absolutely he did. Then he goes this, he says, and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it. I've got this written down that the order is the setup. He's got a setup to it. The established part is the running of it. So he sets his whole kingdom up. He knows exactly what he's doing. So when you feel like you're out of control, just remember God's still there. Somebody in choir was saying, man, Christmas is driving me crazy. There's so many things going on. Amen? You got their family. You got this family. You got the church family. You got this, your neighbors. You got all these parties to go to. You got to pencil everybody in. But aren't you glad that he established it and he has an order to everything? Then he says this. He does it with judgment and with justice. This is the part that the Jewish people have a problem with the way that he came, and what he did. If you were to ask a Jewish person what they would want, what would they tell you? This, this Messiah that came, which fulfilled everything in the Old Testament. Not one thing was left out. The only thing that was left up to the Jewish people is that they look at it and they say, I want someone to come in and conquer and reign. He will do that. But that was not his job when he came to the manger. You could see that from where he was born. He was not born in a palace. Born in a stable. He was not born, with, and he did not establish it with pride. And money, he did not do that. He established it with judgment, justice. He did not establish it with fame. Although when he went on his three years that he would go out and minister to people, he did have some fame, but he had the fame because of what he was doing to help people. A lot of these people, they just wanted the sickness taken away. They wanted death to, to be taken away, and he did that. But where were they when he was crucified on the cross? They got what they wanted. The people could hear, that could, not, could not hear before they could hear. The people could see and could not see, and now they could see. Where are they at this? He didn't do it through fame. He did it through judgment and justice. And for those two words, I'm so thankful for. Because he's established it, he's ordered it, he's got all these things going on. Then I like this, from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, I say is, when he writes this, and God told him to write it, but when he writes this, he is telling you this will take place. And did it? We celebrate Christmas on the 25th. And by the way, that is not when he was probably born. But it's a good way to end the year thinking about who Christ did. 
And so here it shows this. Now let's look at these names again. The word wonderful and counselor, as we review really quick, the first one is he's a miracle. Not only the word um, wonderful is the word, comes from the word miracle. He is a miracle by his birth, the virgin birth and many different aspects of foretelling the past into the future of where he was at. But he also was a miracle worker. How many miracles did he do? You can't even figure out how many miracles he did. I know he did over 5,000 in one, one, one aspect. You say, well, that was just one miracle. Tell the people that were eating. Each person got that miracle. So then you have the counselor to advise, consult, purpose, and plan. This is what he's supposed to be to us. And then the next one is this, the mighty God. Let's look at what the mighty God is, and, and I'm going to give you what that word really means, the word mighty. We know he's God, but what does that mean? Okay, now, Old Testament was written in what language? Hebrew. The New Testament was written in what? Greek. Now, I will say this to you. I love the King James Bible. It is inspired. But the English language is not as powerful as the Greek language. Let me give you an illustration. And I always use this illustration, the word love. If I said, give me a word, that you, something that you love, we could all come up with different things. I love my wife. Everybody know, I love God. But it's not in the same category as I love Fords and I love hot dogs. Right? I've used the same word, but they all mean something different. If I told my wife, listen, I love you as much as I love a hot dog, you think she'd be really happy about that? The Greek words and the Hebrew words are much more powerful than the English language. Let's look at some of these Greek words. We'll talk about that one in just a second. Pele is the word for wonderful. It means miracle. It's a Hebrew word, wonderful. The next one, ya'atz, is the word for counselor. Then you have this word coming in here, and I want to make sure I pronounce this word, gibor is a Hebrew word for that. That word means, means the word um, mighty. The word mighty comes up 158 times in the Old Testament. The definition of this word is in, found in three words. And here they are. Number one, strong. Aren't you glad your God's a strong God? Aren't you glad He's not only strong, He's brave? What does that mean? When I have a problem, He's not going to run from it. He's going to help me through it. Because he's brave. And the last one is this. He is just the word mighty. And when you break this word, these words down, you're going to find that this is found in many different words that it's conjugated through the, to, to make the clarity of the words in the thing. And here they are. Here's ten of them really quick. When you look this up, this is what this word mighty sometimes is translated in the Hebrew language. We find it in the scriptures. And these are the words you find. You find mighty. And just think of this as you're picturing God. Is he a mighty God? Absolutely is a mighty God. Isaiah tells us not only is he strong, he's a valiant God. I'm not going to let you down. He's an upright God. I think it's seven times that the word uprights came into this word right here, out of the 158 times. The next word is he's a champion. Whenever I play games, I don't play for second place. I play for first place. That's who God is. He's a champion. He's first place. Satan always plays second fiddle to him. He always tries to make sure that he knows where that, that he's, he's there, but guess what? God's always more strong. He's stronger than him. He's wiser than him. 
In fact, he created him. He's definitely the champion. Not only that, he's the chief. Remember growing up, if we ever got where we tried to tell everybody what to do, my wife, my, my wife, my mom would always say this, too many chiefs, not enough Indians. That meant we need to listen to mom and dad. We need to listen to God because he's the chief. Not only this, he's, he's ex, he excels in everything. He's a giant. You can't contain him in a box. He's everywhere. You know what? I like these last two, probably the best, because they're already listed up there. But in that Hebrew language, it comes out as this. He's not only mighty, he is the mightiest. And he's not only the mightiest, he's the strongest. Guys, remember when you were in PE class growing up and you wanted to show how many sit-ups and push-ups you could do? You had to beat everybody because you had to be the strongest. My first youth group, I got in there and, and we started working with the kids and I realized real quick that when I played certain games, I'd pick the girls over the guys because they were better at it and they used, more, they used their head more. And I remember pick, picking and I could tell you the order of how we'd pick all the kids. We could, we could line up all the hundred kids that we had in that youth group, and I could say, these five girls could beat these five guys any day of the week. They were stronger and they were smarter. But God, He is the mightiest and He is the strongest, and that's what His, that what his application is of the mighty God. So then, when you look at this, you look at Isaiah's rendering of it. He says he's marvelous and he's wonderful. He's a mighty God. But then you picture this. How could a baby in a manger be those words? He was reliant upon Mary. He was reliant upon Joseph. But he was still God. Because when you look at him and then you put these words up, you ever looked at a baby and said, that's a mighty baby? I know everybody thinks their baby's mighty. But babies are innocent. They're vulnerable. Why was Isaiah saying this? Not only did he say he's mighty, this is a strong baby. I remember when our children were born, they were totally different. Meredith, I don't know how many days it was before she could raise her head up and look around. And we'd already had one child, and now we got Meredith, and she's putting her head up. How many days was it, Ann? In the hospital, she's lifting her head up and looking around. I remember Ann looking at her and going, you're not supposed to do that. She's always been strong. When she was five or six, she could pin Ann down in the bedroom and on the bed, and she could not get up. I don't know what would happen if someone came in and robbed us. We could be robbed by a five-year-old. I remember her pinning, and, and my wife would start laughing about it, and Meredith would have all of her legs spread out over her and just pinned her to the ground, pinned her to the bed. She's strong. We don't usually look at babies and say they're strong. We don't usually look at babies and say, that's a valiant baby. Do we? What about this? It's an upright baby. Or what? A champion of a baby. Now, the, the D's think their baby's going to be a champion. It's not going to be a champion. 
What about this? It's the chief. Now, I can tell you this. There are some babies that rule the roost, if you know what I mean. If you don't believe that, just go to Walmart for a few minutes at, at, at Christmas time, and you will see children that are the chief among the adults. Excel. I can tell you this, he excelled as a baby. Hmm. He was a giant. You say, well, how do you get he's a giant? Can you name one other baby that was born that affected your life more than Jesus? I can't. He was born in a manger, in a stable. He was the mightiest as a child. And he was, a, the, he was not only the mightiest, he was the strongest. So I want to point out, I want to look at two stories real quick and we'll be done. I want you to turn, to, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to illustrate these things to you so you see this. You see all these listings of all these words. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26 and let's see how mighty, how strong he is. And we're just going to read these. I'm going to point out a few things. I'm going to read another story and we'll be done. Go to Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 42. And it says this, I want you to get a picture of a mighty God in the story. It says this, it says, and Jesus, Then cometh Jesus with them into the place called Gethsemane. And saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go up and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and two of the sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Even unto death, tarry ye that here and watch with me. And verse number 39 says this, And he went a little further and fell on his face and, and prayed, saying, O oh my Father, if it be possible let this cut pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Keep reading verse number 40, And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Look at the next verse. He went again away again and the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. Did you see the different response that he had from the first time he went? Now, did Jesus know what he had to do? Absolutely. But he still begged his heavenly father. Look at the first one. Go to verse number 39. It says, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Look at verse number 42. He changes his, his, his aspect to God. And he says, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. You know, when I, when I read this story, I see a mighty God. I see a strong God, a valiant God, an upright God. See, the aspect of this is you've got to look at it this way. He knew the price that he would pay. He knew the pain that he would pay before he did it. Aren't you glad you don't know how you're going to pass away? I've seen all different types of ways that people can pass away. I don't want to know how it's going to happen to me. But Jesus knew. And he was strong enough. He was the mightiest. He was the strongest. Isn't that great to know? That we serve a God like that.
we think, oh, our struggles are, t- are, are rough. Our aspects are rough. They're not even close to what Jesus went through. And his attitude and everything, through everything, he was good. Let's look at another story. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. We're almost done. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 21 through 25. He was writing this and he says, For even hereunto where ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us, what's the next two words? An example. Aren't you glad God's, Christ is your example? If He can be mighty in certain things, we can too. Because with me and Him, we're a majority. With you and Him, you're a majority. Keep reading, it says that ye should, what? Follow His steps. Keep reading, it says, who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth. When I read that, I really truly understand He's a champion. Because you know what we try to do? Defend ourselves. <laughs> we, oh, if someone even makes an inclination to you, you defend yourself. Right? Do I have to remind you of who you are? Do I have to remind you who Jesus was? On this earth, he had all these accusations, but, but said nothing. It takes a strong person. It takes the strongest and the mightiest person. It takes a champion to do that. Because that's not how we're built. And he was just as much man as I am. But he's also God. And he was not only just God, he was a mighty God. He had nothing that was in his mouth that was wrong to say. How many of you ever, ever said this to you? Now I want to I hand count on this. Have you ever thought something, and then right before you say it, you say, should I really say this? How many of you ever done this? Okay. If you don't have your hand up, you're not honest. Okay, all right? I'm just telling you. My wife, and I go, I always use this illustration. When I drive, I lose my sense of direction towards people. I want to make sure that when I get in the car, sometimes I pray, Lord, let me keep my testimony when I'm driving down the road. Because you know what? Sometimes it, get, it makes me mad. And I start talking to people. It just makes me feel good that I'm talking about them, but they don't know I'm talking about them. And I want to tell them how to drive. I want to take them to driving school. I want to show them how to turn. How to turn on your turn signals. That's a good one. How to drive in the right lane. That's another good one. If you're going to drive slow, don't get beside another car that's driving slow and drive down the interstate. I think Karen understands that, don't you, Karen? All right? She's not a slow driver. Cecil, do you understand that? Absolutely. Cecil understands that. I mean, we go through this and we, and we, we, we try to figure things out. And then it comes out of our mouth. God doesn't want it coming out of our mouth. That's because he was the mightiest, he was the strongest. Keep reading, it says, When while he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on a tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. If you underline anything in your Bible, underline the next statement in your Bible. It says this, By whose stripes ye were healed. When I read that, I understand he was excellent. I understand he was the mightiest, the strongest, the upright, the champion. I understand the mighty God. And here is a portrayal of us in verse number 25. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. 
Pretty good picture of a mighty God. See all those words? I don't think of a baby. You know what I think of? I think of a Savior. He was a mighty God. So this Christmas, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. It even says it up there. I want you to say Merry Christmas. It's not happy holidays at Bible Baptist Church. When people say that to you, do you does, that, does that make you cringe? You know what? They're, they're told not to say Merry Christmas in certain places. But if you say it to them, they'll say it back. I can't tell you how many times this year people have said Happy Holidays. They said Merry Christmas, and they'll go Merry Christmas to you too. And they're looking around like, oh my word, I'm going to lose my, my job. We look at Merry Christmas, we see a baby. Don't. You know what God wants us to see? He wants to see a cross. He is. He is our wonderful. He's a miracle-working Savior right now. He's a miracle the way He was born. And he did miracles while He was on this earth, and He still does miracles today. Not only that, He is our counselor. He's your consultant. He's your advisor. He has a plan and purpose for you, and that's what Isaiah was saying. But He also says, He's your mighty God. It's Christmas when you walk around and you see things. And you see the lights and you see the and you're in the bustle of moving around and seeing what Christmas is and gotta go here, gotta go there. Don't ever lose sight of who Christ is. You know what did me good is when I looked up and I saw our choir singing. Our choir's not perfect. But I saw four or five people tearing up during the song More Than Wonderful. Because he is absolutely more than wonderful. Then they got me crying. And I can't see when I do that. But I can tell you this, God definitely is a wonderful God. Amen. He is my counselor and he is the mighty God. And you know what I like about that? Is that first word. See, we overlook it. He's mighty. He's God. He is the only one. Amen. And he should be the God of you in December. Watch this, through December. Don't lose sight of who Jesus is. Lord.